Well, as our ushers are receiving that tonight, you can see that the church is decorated right now with all the trees and everything. And I can tell you right now, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. All they let me do is get the trees out. And, and every year, me and Pastor Aaron, we take this tree. And man, he's, he's got me set up. He's got them all numbered. Where I mean, we just pop, pop. I mean, me and him ought to go in business how quick we got it up. It was incredible. But I appreciate all of you came here and helped and assisted yesterday. We appreciate it. You know, if, if you ever need some really entertainment, come when we're changing these light bulbs, these tall ones. And you'll, you'll, I mean, it's better than Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. I mean, it's definitely a venture. So, actually, Pastor's calves are a little sorted. I'm not, oh, my little calves, man. I stood on my little tiptoes. So, well, we better get in the Word. I don't want to tell you about my life. Praise God. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit and go, go to the book of Isaiah 43. Just some things been rolling around on my heart about don't quit in life. Don't quit. And some of the most important people in history, whether it was people in the Bible or just people that we know about, they failed in life. But instead of being discouraged, they refused to give up. They had things happen. Now, you look at King David. He had some real mess-ups in his life, but he kept going. He kept going. You know, one of the greatest people that I, I love to read about in history is Abraham Lincoln. And when you study his life, it said that Abraham Lincoln, as a businessman, he failed twice. When he ran for political office, he was defeated seven different times. It went on to say this about him, that his wife that he passionately loved, she died. He had four sons, and only one of his four sons lived into adulthood. He had nervous breakdowns, but I mean, are you talking about resilient? He just kept getting back up, and he kept getting back up. And so I, I want us to understand that, that the only time we fail is when we fail to get back up. And so one passage I just want to quote to you, and this is in the message translation. does not say this in the New Kings. The message in 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, Our Master Jesus... Will never give up on you. Never forget that. And I love that because Jesus will never give up on us. Now the point is we must never give up on ourselves. Now, when we talk about giving up on things in life, the, the categories could be massive here tonight. I mean, I could go around the room and it could be anywhere from, uh, I, I, you can't quit on going to school. You can't quit on your dreams. You can't quit on your marriage. You can't quit on your kids. And, and if you're not careful, guys, quitting can become a, a, a habit. And so I encourage you, keep fighting, keep persevering. How many of you have ever been in the ocean? And, you know, you get in the ocean, and, and a lot of times when I'm in the ocean, I'll start at a, at a lifeguard stand. I'll see lifeguard stand number five. And that's a point of reference to me. And before long, very subtle before you know it, you're way down here and you look and you think, how did I get down here so quick? How did this happen? I wasn't doing anything. The waves just kind of in the current take you. Well, see, that's what can happen in life. Things become very subtle. And the devil is, is very subtle. 
He tries to get us from, from doing the things we know to do. Getting in the Word. Coming to church. Being around other believers. And so this is a way that he tries to knock us off course. Now, maybe you've had part, uh, things in your life where you've quit before. Man, you've got to get in your heart. Jesus will never quit on me, so I'm not going to quit. And I encourage you to get back in the game. Many of you probably heard this in my life, but growing up, and I, I hated to lose in life. I was very, very competitive, and I remember in junior high, I was on a basketball team, and we were horrible. We couldn't beat the worst girls team. We were horrible. And I hated to lose. That may identify some of you. I was a poor winner, but I was even a worse loser. I hated to lose. And so we weren't just getting beat. We were getting cloppers. I mean, it was rugged. And so at Christmas, I told my dad, I'm not playing no more. I'm done. I'm quitting. My father looked at him and he said, nope, you're not either. And I looked at him and he said, you started the team. You started the season. You went out and you tried out. And that team's dependent on you. And he said, you know what? If you don't want to play next year, that's fine. But he said, you're not going to quit this year. You're going to find out that this is how life is. And so I look back at that lesson. And you know what I say now? Thank God I had a dad who didn't let me quit. Now, I'm not speaking condemnation here. I'm telling you, if you've quit on certain things, you know, say, I'm getting back in the game. I'm getting that going. Now, look with me here in Isaiah 43. And let's begin here in verse number 1. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. Now, when I read here these next two verses, I want you to pay close attention on how many times right here it says you. And you might as well let the Word of God get real personal because this was wrote to you. So he said here, how I created you, O Jacob. And we could say that tonight to each one of you. How he created you, O Dylan. And he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. And I like that. No matter what you're going through, fear not. It's like God saying, fear not. I got your back. I got you. Fear not. I have redeemed who? You. When we talk about redemption, we're talking about God's provision and God's care for us. He's redeemed us. I have called you by your name and you are mine. Ooh, that's some good stuff right there. And you've got to understand, that's the way God sees you. That's the way God views you. Verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And so it's amazing here how many times he mentions this. Now, right here, guys, when you're going through things, and we're going to go through things. I want you to know, with God, there's always a way. There's always a way. Now, this is what you must know. It may not be easy. And it may not be quick. And it may not be convenient. But if you'll keep serving God, God will get you through things. And you know what I hear most of the time when people are in situations in their life? You know what they'll say? It's too hard. It's too hard. Or... It's taken too long. It's too hard. It's taken too long. Well, do you wonder if, if Joseph or David ever said that? All the things that Joseph went through, 
the 13 plus years, if he didn't say, Father God, it's too hard. It's taken too long. And here's what we must understand, every one of us. God knows best. Our ways are not his ways, but when I follow God's ways, I'm going to be blessed. And that means it may not take a year, and it may not take three years, it may not take five years, but what if it does? And so you got to get this in you. I got to keep serving God. I got to keep going after the things. Now, when you look at verse 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, it becomes very clear here in God's Word, it does not say if you're going to pass through the waters. Now, when I look about what he's talking about, when you pass through the waters, you know what? You may feel like you're in over your head. But God didn't say quit. And when he said the next thing, and when you pass through the, ru- the, the rivers, that means that the rough times, you're going to pass through some rough times. See, when you look about adversity in the Bible, adversity is not optional, guys. I opt out on this adversity, Father God. I don't want nothing. No, you find out that I'm going to go through times in my life where I'm going to go through the rivers. I'm going to go through the, I'm going to go through the fire. It's like the Lord said in in the 23rd Psalm. He said, Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I don't need you to raise your hands, but how many of you think, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death tonight? Well, think about it this way. This is not necessarily bad news, guys. When you look and say, Yea, though I walk through the valley. You know what that tells me? And you're walking through it. You're still moving. You're still going forward. When it gets bad is when you say, Yea, though I've camped out in the valley of the shadow of death. Because when you pitch your tent in the valley, that's not good. And so I encourage you, man, as long as I'm moving, and it may be a snail's pace. Do you know the snail was even on the ark? Even the turtle was on the ark. Do you know what I'm telling you? It may seem like it's taken forever and ever, but I can't quit i got to keep heeding the, the things of God. And in these situations, it becomes very, very necessary. When you're going through things, you choose what God would want. You choose what God's Word said. You say, I mean, Father God, this may be very difficult in my life right now, but I'm going to hang on to you. I'm going to grab on to you, Father God, and I'm going to keep... And I believe with all my heart, guys... That's exactly what Joseph did. He kept serving God. And if you remember the passage of Joseph in Genesis 37, remember uh, Potiphar's wife started hitting on David. And you know what he said? He said, how can I sin against God? In other words, I'm going to choose what pleases God. Even in a difficult time. Now, you know what? It had been easy for him to quit right there. Thrown in the towel, but he didn't. Now go with me to the New Testament, to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. You know what I find out in life? In life, progress has a price for every one of us. And becoming a person who doesn't quit and who doesn't give up, it's going to cost you something. And I mean that good. It's going to cost you. That's a good thing. Because everything you get out of life is what you put into it. And so I, I love to read the Word of God Because, you know what the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, in due season you'll reap if you don't faint. 
In due season, you'll reap when you, if you don't faint. You know what that tells me? i got to keep striving. i got to keep going for the things. Now, you know what a lot of people ask me? Well, what does due season mean? Well, it means later than you think. It's not going to be like, you know, when you go to work, you realize you're going to get paid every Friday, once a month, twice a month. You know there's a payday. Well, with God, payday's coming. It's going to happen, but it's not going to be on your timetable. It's going to be when God looks and says, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready for them. They are ready to handle this. Now, here we are in uh, Matthew 25. I want you to look with me, starting in verse number 1, and this is a good parable. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Now, it says that all ten of them had lamps. So it tells me right here, they all had similar opportunities. But what distinguishes here in Jesus' word between the foolish and the wise? Well, keep reading. Those who were foolish took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. Now, you know what that shows me? They knew what to do, but they just didn't do it. They weren't prepared or they didn't discipline themselves. Verse 5. Verse 4. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And so you know what I see here? The five that were wise, they took responsibility for their life. They didn't blame anybody else. They realized, it's on me. And that's where every one of us got to get to, where I take responsibility for my life. Verse 5. But while the bridegroom was delayed... They all slumbered and slept, all of them. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. You know what I see? They didn't take, they didn't take advantage of yesterday. They didn't plan. They just took every day. Day, oh, oh, we'll have tomorrow. You know what? This is what we got to understand. I got to make my today's count. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to trust in other people's oil. And I say that to each one of us. People, good people, bad people, loving people, kind people. You know what I found out? Even me, I'm going to let people down. I don't do that intentionally, but that's part of being a human being. And so the best thing I can begin to do is say, okay, Father God, I'm going to live every day for you. And in this passage here, Jesus goes on to say that the foolishness of these five was based on their lack of being prepared, even for end times. Well, I think about that in our everyday life. Do I do the things on a consistent basis to cause me to achieve? To cause me to overcome. And so it becomes this, guys. Every priority is based on a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is, what's the reward? And so i got to begin to look and say, okay, what am I going to sacrifice today or not sacrifice for the things of God, for my own life? Now, while you're there, look on over to your right into Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter number 12 And let's just see some things here. We may be here the rest of the evening. I don't know. Hebrews 12. 
Verse 7. If you, once again, there's that word you, if you endure chastening. You know what that word means? Discipline. It means training. It means teaching. And you know what? You're going to have to endure it. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers then you are an illegitimate and not sons. And so when I look at this right here, I must learn where I like the, uh, the, the Lord's discipline. I must like, and how does, the word, how does the Lord discipline us? Well, the biggest way the Lord disciplines me, He'll discipline me with the Word of God. The Word of God will correct me when I read it and I embrace it. And the Word of God will cause me to rise up. The second area the Lord will, will discipline me with is in my heart. I'm going to tell you, there's a huge difference between condemnation, that's from the devil, and conviction. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but the Holy Spirit will come in your heart, and He will convict you. And you know what that is? That's not to punish you. That's for the Lord to help you to get to where you need to go. Now, I used to, guys, I didn't like the Lord convicting my heart. I love it now. And it's a form of the way he disciplines me. Keep reading, verse 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. Thank God. Now, it wasn't pleasant when you were going through it. Keep reading. Who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live or truly live? For they indeed for a few days disciplined us as seemed best to them. But he, Father God, for our profit or for our payoff, that we may be partakers of his holiness. And you know what Father God's doing? He's raising the bar on us. And if you'll notice here, he says... That there's going to be a profit. There's going to be a payoff for each one of us. Keep reading. Verse 11. Now no discipline seems to be joyful for the present. But painful. Nevertheless, afterward. And highlight that word afterward. After you've been disciplined. It yields or produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The those who have been trained by it. And so one thing I begin to see here is I must discipline my life. I must come under the Lord's correction and help. And then I must begin to live this way. Now in my own life, guys, I've, I've had to discipline myself. Where there's certain things in my life that become priority, if not on a daily basis, on a consistent basis. And I don't know about you, I've got to get under the Word of God. I've got to read my Bible every day. You know, there in, um, in, in Matthew 4, when Jesus said that life is more than bread, but it's every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, you begin to hunger for the Word of God. As I hunger in the natural for, for physical food, I hunger for the Word of God. And I said this to the, the group that prayed last night. I said, guys, I couldn't wait to get here last night. You know why? Because, and it was my choice, on, on Thanksgiving Day, 
I didn't pray like I needed to. You know, you're busy and eating, and then Friday came, and Saturday came, and Sunday came. Things start happening. And so, man, I'm telling you, my spirit was so so ready to pray last night. Well, what's that a result of? You begin to discipline your body. How many, how many of you like to work out? Well, your body will crave that. If you get in the habit of walking every day, and some of you say, Pastor, I'm not there yet. My body doesn't crave that. Well, you know what? My body craves to run at times. My body craves to work out at times. You know why? Because we've disciplined in it that way. Well, that's the same with the things of God. And so each one of us must begin to look and say, what's priority today? Now, God doesn't look for for quantity, guys. He looks for quality. He knows some of your days. Maybe your Mondays are the busiest day of the week. But still make time to fellowship with the Father and begin to say, okay, Father God, i got to hang out with you. Now, while you're there in, in Hebrews 12, just go to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us, me and you, lay aside every weight. Now, he he didn't say these weights are necessarily bad things. But a weight is something in my eyes that, that causes me to not make God priority. In other words, we can do a lot of things in moderation, but you can do a lot of things in excess. And if things become excessive in your life, that has probably now become a weight in your life. And I I can list multitudes of things where we can go overboard, whether it's watching TV, whether it's shopping, whether it's even exercising. And so right here, i got to understand, what are the things in my life that are now weights that keep me from doing the things God would want me to do. Keep reading what he says here. Let us lay every, every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, clings to us, or entangles us. So he points to two things right here. And these are things, guys, that will knock me off course. These were things that will keep me from from getting to what Father God wants for me. Wait. And the second thing is sin. Is sin, okay? Now the big thing we must, every one of us, need to know about sin. None of us are exempt from it. I don't care who you are. That's why it's very important to study what the Bible says. And if you're living in sin, guys, don't think God's going to bless you. He cannot bless you when you get over and He cannot bless me. What becomes sin is this. When I know what to do, but I choose not to do it. How many of you have ever been there? Every one of us. And so he said right there, these weights and these sins will ensnare you. They will cause you to quit. They will cause you not to live in the blessings that you need. And so what this comes down to is... I've got to discipline myself with the things of God. And say, okay, Father God, I'm going to obey. And you know what a lot of people say? But everybody's doing it. Well, guys, my standards aren't based off of the world. My standards aren't based off what MTV says. 
I'm going to tell you guys, when you watch the, the news media, you can't, my standards are based on the Word of God. And so when you find Scripture in there, and you read that, and you realize in my life, I'm living in sin, you now have a choice to make. Now this is what it comes down to. Do I want God's blessings, or do I not? Well, pastor, you know, my friend, Jimmy Jack the Maniac, he says we can do this. And, and Judy Attitude, Judy's not in here tonight, so we'll use it. Judy Attitude says we can do this. She said it's all right. But what's the Bible say? What's the Word of God say? Well, I can take you to a list that the Bible talks about sin, and I can tell you guys right now, at a time in my life, I could go down to that list and check it and say, yep, yep, that's me, that's me. But in order for me to get the blessings of God and not quit on the things God has in store for us, remember what we read in Isaiah 43. He's created you. He knows you. You're His. He's got big plans for you. But i got to hook up. What do you mean hook up? Pat? i got to start living like God wants me to. You know, the church right now, we have gotten so far away from the Scriptures. It's amazing to me. When I hear, and I, I got to watch Ben Judgmental, when I hear what people say on TV, at times I grab my head and say, just read the Bible. What does the Bible say? And if you have situations in your life where you say, Pastor, I don't know if this is sin. Well, ask some of these people that have been a believer a long time. That's sin. I'll tell you what sin is. And so we got to get away from thinking we can live however we want. And this is what Paul was talking about. And these things in our life, guys, they will ensnare you. It becomes a trap. And you know why the devil does this? So he can get you to quit. He can get you where you start saying, what's up, God? Keep reading. These sin which so easily snares us. And let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance. It did not say that life is a hundred meter dash, did it? You know how long it takes to run a hundred meter dash? If you're really good, less than ten seconds. If you're really old, it may be 25. <laughs> Let us run with endurance. You know what that word endurance means? Steady and with perseverance. So you know what that tells me? It's, it's not what I do one week. Man, some of you, you may be a sprinter one week. Usain Bolt, he's the world record holder in the 100 meters. You may be Usain Bolt for one week, and then the next week you're not even in the race. Where'd he go? I don't know. He's just not here no more. See, this is what it's talking about. Let us run the race with endurance. You got to keep running. And it may be the pace of a turtle. It may be the pace of a... That's okay. You're doing something on a consistent basis. You know, I, I used this poem, and I heard it years ago. And it says this, that every day in Africa, the gazelle arises. And the gazelle knows he must be faster than the fastest lion, or he's going to die. And every day in Africa, the lion arises. And the lion knows this, that if he's not faster than the slowest gazelle, he's going to starve to death. The bottom line is this. It does not matter if you're a gazelle or a lion. 
when the sun comes up, you better be running. And I look at that and I think this for every one of us in here. I gotta keep running. I gotta run the things I got. I gotta run the race that was set before me. Keep reading. That race that is set before us. And how is one of the ways I do this? Well, look what he said here. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the originator, and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. And so you know what he's telling me? While I'm running, I gotta keep looking to Jesus. I gotta keep looking to, I gotta keep looking to the Word of God. And I realize, you know what? This is what Father God said in His Word. And I believe when I look at these great men and women in the Bible, all the things they went to, they had to keep their eyes on the Lord. They had to have. Uh, Joseph had to keep his eyes on the Lord for, for 13 plus years. But he didn't quit. And I look at Ruth, the Mobite. She never quit. She just kept going to the fields. And she kept hanging out with God. And God blessed her. Well, this is what happens with each one of us. But I must keep hanging out with God. And sometimes the things God asks you, you may say, Father God, that's difficult. That's hard, Father God. That's not fair. But I don't believe God would tell us to do anything. It wasn't possible. You think about that uh, Abraham's life there in, in Genesis 12 when the Lord said to him, Listen, Abe, you got to get out of your country. you got to get away from your family. You know why he told him that? Because his family wasn't good. And you know what? It had been easy for Abraham to say, Man, God, that's tough. That's hard. But you know why God said that to him? Because God had blessing here. God had reward. And he said, Listen, if you'll discipline yourself to trust me and live for me, I'll bless you, I'll multiply you, I'll make your name great, and I'll bless you to be a blessing. And every one of those happened because this man named Abraham, he disciplined himself and said, Okay, Father God, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Even though at that moment, it may be difficult, it may be hard. But then think about this. Father God knows best. God's the one who created us. He formed us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows how to help us. And so I look at it this way. If God's the creator of every one of us, i got to stay hooked to the source of life. That's Him. Where I run into trouble, guys, when I quit getting around the source of life, which is Father God. And how do I do that? Well, it's very easy. The weights of life. They're a trick of the devil. Now think about these things tonight. What are the things in your life that pull you away from God? And you know what? You may have a massive, massive excuse list. I have one of those. I can sit there and I can tell myself how busy I am. I can tell you, oh, Father God, I got so much to do today. I'm busier than everybody else. See, that's how we always think. There's nobody as busy as me. And see, those things are just tricks of the devil. And so what happens is I've got to begin to purpose in my life. What's priority? What's priority? Well, if God is my source of life, I better make Him priority every day. But you know what? As human beings, man, it is easy for us to belly up to the trough three times a day. You've heard me say this. The evangelist Smith Wigglesworth said, we feed our physical man three hot meals a day, and we feed our spirit man 
one cold snack a week, and we wonder why we're starving to death. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, guys, you've got to start praying for hours a day, but you've got to pray more than over your food. Some of you say we should pray over our food. Well, yeah, that's a novel idea. That's a starting point. But we got to start praying. Well, what do you mean praying, Pastor? It's where I just talk. It's like I talk to Matt. That's how I talk to God. I'll tell God. I'll tell God what's on my heart. I'll, I'll come in here and I, man, I mean, anytime you go by my office, I know Ramona and them think I'm half crazy. Anytime people are in the office, they say, who's he talking to? Himself. I just talk to God all day and I hang out with him because I realize he knows me better than anybody. Father God, does he know? You know, Psalm 50, 15 says, call on me in the day of trouble and I'll help you. But you know what? How many of us take the time to call him? Stand on your feet. Don't quit. Don't quit. You know what? I, I, I've had this in my heart as you stand up. Don't quit on your marriage, okay? Don't quit on your kids. 